Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Well, good morning, everybody. As we greet one another, these are like little mini celebrations, just the smallest taste of what heaven is going to be like. Amen? Celebrations are a beautiful thing. Why do we maybe neglect to do them as often as we should? Why do we allow the challenges of the life that we're faced with every day cause us to get downcast in so many ways? It's a good question. Then I think about my children and how my children were the authors and the inventors of celebration when they were growing up. I'll give you a couple examples. I remember that it would be several days before Christmas. And my kids would be in the bedroom staring at me and mom at like three o'clock in the morning. And I'd be like this. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? It's Christmas. In five days it's Christmas, not this morning. And then there'd be other times that I would come home. And I would come home from a long day at work, not in the mood to celebrate. And I would see them, and, and we're, but, but we're getting ready to go on a vacation just a few days away. And I would walk into the house and I would see them sitting on the couch and they'd have like a little bag packed and they're little sneakers and they're just ready to go days before. And I'd walk in, where are you going? We're going to the lake. Today's Monday, we're leaving next Sunday. And they were ready. And they were, and, and they were ready to celebrate. And I think, man, I think that as, as, as a church, as a body of believers... I think when we have our priorities and our mindset right, I think there should be more of that flowing from us in one way or another. And I know that I'm guilty of this too. Life has a way of, of dragging us down through either situations on a job, not being able to pay a bill, a broken relationship. I get it. There's all sorts of things that cause us to put the celebration on the pause button. But as a church, we have to learn to celebrate what God is celebrating. This morning, I want to take you through the first eight verses of Colossians chapter one. This is the book that I'll be doing for the entire year. So whether you're with me here, I'll be preaching again a couple of times in August, filling in for Pastor John, the campfire. I'm going to make sure that you know that book, okay? And it's very, it's a, it's a great book. It was Paul is the author. Uh, he wrote this letter to the Colossian believers at Colossae. Uh, somewhere around 80, 60, 61, another letter in which he's writing from basically the same prison cell. If you remember when we went through the book of Philippians, Paul is writing this letter being chained to an imperial guard, a.k.a. Um, uh, United States CIA. That's, that's really what it was. So Paul didn't have any privacy. It's better than his first imprisonment in a cold dungeon smell, cell, you know, just being around human feces all the time. But in this one, he's under house arrest. The unique thing, the beautiful thing is that as he's chained to an imperial guard, Paul was allowed to have as many visitors as he wanted. So the beauty in that is that every time a visitor would come, he would share the gospel with them. And the guards were hearing it. 
and their lives were being changed. I love what Paul writes to the Philippian church in chapter 4 at the end of that letter when he writes, all of us greet you with love and affection especially those of Caesar's household. Now, if we had gotten that letter, we would have been like, what did he say? Caesar's household? And, P- and Paul was telling the Christians at that church that yes, these imperial guards at Caesar's household are no longer worshiping Caesar as their God. They've been changed and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ And these guards would never be the same again. So Paul is now confronted with the situation at Colossae. He wants to celebrate this church. Epaphras was the one who founded this church. Epaphras came to Paul, Acts chapter 19, Paul's two-year missionary trip to Ephesus. And he heard Paul's preaching. And through that preaching, he heard something that his life was changed. And his life would never be the same. And he went back. And he started sharing with that town all that he had heard and what was being done inside of him, right? Maybe that even causes you right now to just think about the moment in which you remember your life was really changing for the greater good, where your life was changing, where where the Holy Spirit was filling you up and your life was changing for and in a different direction where God would lead by the power of the Holy Spirit, the path that leads to heaven, And you were also changed. And you would never be the same. And even for those reasons, those are good enough reasons for us to celebrate as a church as we join together on a Sunday morning like this. So Epaphras comes to Paul. He says, listen, we got a situation in the church. Paul's like, give me what you got. He says, listen, the church is doing some great things. They're doing wonderful things. But we got a teaching that's come in that's not like the one that I heard at Ephesus. It's not like the one that you told me to tell them. This is totally different. Paul says, well, what are they teaching? Well, they're coming in and they're bringing an Eastern philosophy and they're bringing in some Jewish legalism and somehow the the people are mixing it up in a bowl and out of this thing, which a word that we developed later was a word called Gnosticism. That's where this was bred. Gnosticism was a type of teaching that was teaching that, listen, Jesus Christ could not be the man in whom you think he is, can't be God. He can't be God in the flesh because flesh and bone are matter. And matter is evil. And if Jesus had flesh, that means he's evil. Paul says, no, all right, we got to address this. So Paul's going to write a letter to commend the church. It's not as if the church was on the brink of extinction. But this was a teaching that was coming in that began to weigh them down. And you got to remember, here they are. They've been around Judaism for, for a few thousand years. And that Christianity was a new religion coming in. It was a whole, totally new teaching. Nothing like they've ever heard before. So when they're hearing this new type of teaching coming in, they're confused. So some of them are just saying, I don't know, is it easier just for me to revert back to what I've been taught for all those years? It was safe. It's safe to be in the synagogue under the teaching of Judaism. Do I just go back to that? That's where I feel safe. Paul's like, no, can't go back to that. You've been changed Christ came in the flesh. He was completely God and completely human. And he taught us, and his life was sacrificed, beaten to a pulp. God the Father sent him into this world to die for me and you, to be nailed on a tree, and then God the Father would hate him for our salvation. So you're not going to go back. So he writes this letter, 
and he's actually celebrating the church. I want to take you through the first eight verses. Let's see what there is to celebrate. Let's see what it is for us and what it means. Chapter 1. Thank you, Arnie. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love, if you're into underlining, guess which parts I'm asking you to underline, right? And of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to see the importance of what Paul is trying to teach the church. As we're reading through these first couple of verses, I know there's a lot of heavy material once you get into this letter, but there's a celebration being talked about here. What does that mean for us? Are we to celebrate too? I mean, is Goodwill Church to celebrate like, like Paul wanted the church at Colossae to celebrate? Teach us. Help us to see and understand. May you get the glory in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. Celebration. Author Leo Biscaglia tells this story about his mother and their misery dinner. It was the night after his father came home and said it looked as if he would have to go into bankruptcy because his partner had absconded with the firm's funds. His mother went out and sold some jewelry to buy a sumptuous feast, loads of food for the family. Other members members of the family scolded her for it. But she told them, the time for joy is now when we need it most, not next week. Her courageous act rallied the family. I think that's, I think the, I think that's the premise of Paul's letter to this church. He wants to rally them back up. Maybe you're in here this morning, maybe you need to be rallied up a little bit in your faith. Maybe you need to see too that there is reason for celebration. Maybe you need to see, wow, God takes notice of me, that he really cares for me. So what am I to celebrate? Well, let's look at a couple things. Verses 1 and 2, Paul had never met this church. Epaphras was the one that founded this. But their faith, right, things that Paul talks about in this letter has made it all the way to his ears some six to 800 miles away. And what they all had in common as the faithful brothers and sisters was that they were a holy people set apart for him by faith in Christ. And Paul had a heart for these people. He knew that they were a pagan nation. There was no hope for these people. Right? Where were you before God found you? Maybe stuck in the same misery that I was stuck in where there was no hope. Hope in some false things that I thought would bring me happiness. But these people had no hope. They were pagan people. They were just lost. And then Epaphras would come back and he would share the gospel with these people. 
And their lives were being changed. And now Paul talks about their faith. And listen to what Paul is talking about. Notice the object of their faith. It's not just in anything. Paul is telling that they're, he's commending them that their object of faith is Christ Jesus and him alone. Right? I mean, that's what brings us here on a morning like this to celebrate. It's our faith. I know that you believe in Christ. I know that you're loving him or you wouldn't be here. Right? And these are reasons for us to celebrate. Right? Just to even think about when we greet one another during that moment of greeting and saying hello and this and that. Heaven is going to be filled with that 24-7 around our Savior. There's reasons that we have to celebrate that. And that's what God wants from us. You think about, too, is that when you look at this church, what you, me, Paul, and the church of Colossae had in common was that we all share the same paternity. We have a Father in heaven that we share, that loves us tremendously. We're covered by the blood of Christ. We've been given permission by Jesus Christ to call God Abba. That was unheard of to the Jews back then. They, they knew God. They knew the traditions. They knew that he came to them, a cloud by day, a fire by night, that he resided in the ark, and that they heard the stories. They heard the stories that when, you, when, you, when the wrong people, when the people that were not allowed to look into the ark or touch the ark, they would die immediately. He was not a God to be messed with. And now this new teaching, like, what? I can call him Abba, Father? This was unheard of, right? Maybe you're even in here this morning going, I don't know, man. I, I know I'm here, but man, the sins I have in my life, man, oh, if you only knew. I don't, I don't know if God's even going to want me calling him Abba, Father. God's saying, no, I do. If you trust me, I do. I killed my son so that you can be here, so that you can bring those things to the feet of my son. I killed my son for that. And I want you to bring them to me. I care everything about your life. As a matter of fact, every tear that you've poured out on your pillow, I've counted. And I have them saved up. I delight in everything about you. I created you to be a gift for my son. So that you would live with us for all eternity. That's how much I care for you. And I'm hoping, God is saying, I'm hoping that you're willing to celebrate that. That I love you that much. Paul's talking about their faith, right? Listen to what we've received from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. God has given me and you every spiritual blessing that he has created. And here's the beauty. They're not yours for later on when we get to heaven. God is saying, I'm giving them to you now. They're yours. I don't even know how many is that. Is it five? Is it 10? Is it 10,000? Is it 10 million? Is it 10 trillion? Is it 500 trillion? I have no idea. But God is saying, if you trust in me, if you trust in what my son has done, 
for your soul. I promise you, I will rock your world with the blessings that you could never have even dreamed of. And this reason Paul's telling the church, I want to celebrate you. You guys are doing some great things in this church. I look at this and too, I cannot be more proud of Goodwill Church when I look at the love that we have for other people. I see it all the time. Some of you may not. I've been given the privilege only because of where I am in the church and as well as some other leadership in the church that we hear the stories. We see these things behind closed doors. When there are those of you who are in need, this church does not hesitate to either from the church or somebody else, if they know that you're in need, going to give. Whether it's some time, whether it's some finances. That's one thing that I believe that Paul, if he was writing a church, writing a letter to this church, I believe that will be one of the things that we're commended for. I really do. That's a reason for us to celebrate. God wants you to celebrate what he's doing in and through your life. This church had faith in Christ. Listen, how many times have we been, how many times have we heard, you gotta have faith. Man, you just gotta have faith in something, right? And faith in itself holds no intrinsic value. I remember growing up in the Bronx, and I remember getting in people's cars for numerous reasons, and I remember that some of them used to have things hanging from the, from the mirrors. Rabbit's feet. I thought, what's that? That's a rabbit's foot. Why you got it there? It brings good luck. I don't think it was good luck for the rabbit. It wasn't good luck for him. They go, don't worry about it. It's good luck. I, I, uh, my area was a lot of Italian-Irish, and a lot of people would have these Italian gold horns hanging up. I'm like, what are you doing with that? Brings good luck. And then I remember all the girls in the neighborhood wearing these charm bracelets. By the way, in some of the factories that I was robbing, I was selling these bracelets, so I really drummed that up. These bracelets are going to bring prosperity. They're going to bring luck to you, right? I couldn't stop the money from flowing. I had to promote that. So these girls are wearing these charm bracelets, and all these charms meant good luck and everything. And you know what Paul is saying? Because this was the teaching that was coming in. This was the teaching that was coming into the church back then. Now listen, if you really want to achieve a spiritual fullness, don't believe in that Christ. No, 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 that stuff's wrong. That ain't. Hogwash. What you want to believe is you want to be able to achieve a spiritual fullness. Let us teach you how to do that. What does that sound like in today's modern day uh, English? How about you come and do these certain exercises with us? whether it be Reiki, yoga, all these things, come and let's do these things and we'll help you create that spiritual fullness. Or how about get on this diet plan. If you eat these certain foods and you achieve this certain weight and you meditate this way, you're going to achieve a level of spirit fullness. And it's, just, it's hogwash. Paul was celebrating the church because they wouldn't veer from their faith. Now there were some in the church back then that were, could have been wandering off a little bit, but that church was standing rock solid. There is no shortage of false teaching out in the world in which we're living in today in which you are going to have to stand on your ground. And the question is whether or not you are going to stand on the principles of Scripture or you're going to fall prey to what the world is teaching. We are going to celebrate that you are not going to do that. You are here today. You're going to stand firm. And it's going to be the Holy Spirit that's going to carry you all the way and guide you and whisper in your ear and tell you, no, that's wrong. Those reasons alone are good enough for us to celebrate. Look at love for others. Paul notes that their love for those in this church were not just for those in whom they wanted to love, right? So it wouldn't be, 
It wouldn't be me if I didn't turn up the heat a little bit, right? I gotta, I gotta turn up the heat a little bit. I got to thinking about when I read that. I'm like, all right, so this church is loving everybody in the church. All right. If we can be as honest as we possibly can, is it safe to say that even on a Sunday morning we will do what we can to avoid certain people in the church? No, not you, right? It's only me, right? Because we're thinking, oh, there he is. He's, oh, gosh, they're probably going to want to hang out if they see me. They're probably going to say, man, do you want to come over for something to eat or something? How am I gonna, what am I going to say to them that's not going to offend them? I don't want to go there. Or I, I watch sometimes going in the kitchen, get out of my way, I need coffee, right? And I'm not offended by this, I promise. But again, if we can be as honest as we possibly can, I, even if I, when I go, times that I go speak at an engagement where there's two, three hundred people where people have never even seen me before, the second I walk up to the podium with the microphone, they're making judgment calls on me. Maybe on how I speak, how good my hair looks, numerous reasons. Okay? Let's be honest. Let's, if we can be honest, and it's okay that some of you say, you know what, I just, I don't ever see myself having him and his family over for dinner. That's okay. But we've got to love each other and respect one another and do everything that we can to help one another. It's okay. We don't have to be best friends. But this church was being commended, they were being appreciated by Paul, celebrated because they were loving each other. They were a pagan nation, a people without God. They were barbarian, they were Scythian. They were Jew, Greek, slave, free. And because of what Christ had done in their life, they were now able to sit at one table and hold hands and talk about the goodness of God face to face, black, white, pink, purple, doesn't matter, shape, size, characteristic, personality. They were able to sit at the table and say, hey, you know what we got in common? We're covered by the blood of Christ. Both of us are headed for heaven. We're gonna do this. All right, maybe, maybe we do things a little differently down here, but we're headed for heaven together, and let's celebrate that, because when we get there, it's never gonna be. As beautiful as this is, it's going to blow this away. Amen? What does love look like? I got to think about this. And I think about Christians. We're not just united together by our mutual interest in personal salvation. As beautiful as that is. That's a beautiful thing. What we are knit together by is a love from God the Father through Christ given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, not to be held on to. What I mean is this, that the love that's inside of us is a powerful force that God wants us to unleash here in the church, first and foremost, and to those in whom we come encounter with. Your faith, your love was not meant to be like a vacuum, sucking up all the things that you can get from either other Christians or the outside world, where you'll continuously be benefited. It's not easy, I know, because every one of us in some way or another are always out for ourselves. Me too. That's, that's part of our fallen condition, right? So if, if you're thinking that's not you, let's hang out sometime in the next week. Give me five minutes and I'll prove it. But for me too, it's, I'm, we're not alone. We're in the same boat. We're human. It's part of our fallen condition. When Adam and Eve bit into that fruit, all that spiritual cancer nested into a mixing pot and it's been blended in and through the veins of our soul. The only remedy, the only injection that we can receive is the blood of Christ. That's the only thing that can cure us from that. 
Listen to this illustration on love. When Chuck Colson was serving his prison sentence after the Watergate scandal, just dated most of us, his newfound faith was severely tested. His wife did not understand the born-again business. His son was picked up on drug charges, and Colson himself was despondent. But God met him in his misery. A group of Christians in Washington, including Senators Hatfield, Hughes, and Q, were praying for him. Senator Q discovered an old law that allowed an innocent man to serve a prison term for another, and Q volunteered to serve the remainder of Colson's term. Colson turned him down, but he had experienced love for all the saints. And Chuck Colson was again refreshed in the reality of his faith. I believe that when you read through the scriptures, you can't help but to think and see that God has and is loving the unlovable. Now here's again, here's where we're going to crank up the heat just a little bit. I promise we're getting ready to land this plane. When I think about that illustration of serving the remainder of someone else's prison cell, my mind, no way. Unless it's only three hours left. That's huge. Let's be honest. How many of you are going to be willing to serve somebody else's prison prison cell service? I don't think I'm going to do that. And I I don't know. Maybe I should be the one to say, yeah, and really mean it. But man, that's got to be a tough thing. So I got to thinking, all right. That's probably an illustration really off the charts. Right? I mean, think about it. It's probably not going to happen in a lifetime. We're not even thinking of that. Nevertheless, are we even looking? Like, who was that senator to even look up that law? I mean, how did he even find that, right? But I do think of this. I think about how can we, as Christians, get to a point that if we couldn't be part of an illustration like that, how can we really begin to make a difference? Because I think one of the biggest roadblocks for us is sometimes becoming so irritable with others. Now that's what I'm thinking. Maybe for you it could be a little something different, but there's always some type of spiritual roadblock that's going to stop us, some invisible wall that Satan is going to build to prevent us from loving other people. Satan doesn't want us to love other people because when we do, People sense the aroma of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the aroma of Christ. That when we're near people, they, they sense that aroma. They see something. They, you may not even say the name of Jesus, but it's flowing from the veins of your soul, and they sense it, and they want it. It's attractive. I want to close out with verse 7. It says, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our fellow, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister on Christ on your behalf, on your behalf. Again, Paul was not the one that brought the gospel to Colossae. It was one man. And I think about even when you go to, forgive me, I don't know if it was Acts 16 or 26, forgive me, when we, when we read about Lydia with the purple cloth. She was a seller of purple cloth. And she heard the words of Paul and she went back to Philippi, Laodicea, and she shared the gospel. I think about the woman at the well, John chapter 4, 
which she, when Jesus comes in and starts rocking her world and telling her all the things that nobody else would know, what did she do? Bolted at the speed of light back to her community and shared with everybody, telling everybody, you gotta see this. You gotta listen to me. You, I gotta tell you about a man who's told me everything I've ever done. And people were changed because of that. And you may be thinking, man, but that's them. That's not me. Nay, nay. A couple weeks ago, many of you know that I'm a bee farmer. And uh, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by lots of things with bees. So we were working in the hives a week or two ago. I remember when it was. But we were just a couple weeks ago. And after we were done, I sat down at the table to take a break. I was with my brother-in-law. And out of the corner of my eye, I see it walking, getting closer and closer and closer. It's like 15 feet away. It's getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And this is what I saw. No, it would help if I put this on. There it goes. Oh, sorry. I'll do it. You'll do it. And I'm watching an ant carry a dead bee. Now, dead bees are a thing. The average bee only lives to about 52 days. So appreciate that, honey. So I'm watching this and I'm saying, how am I going to use that for an illustration? And some of you, and don't go there, please, because some of you are thinking, yeah, that's me. I'm always carrying dead people around. No, no, do not go there. That's not where I want you to go. I'm saying is, I know that we're never going to probably serve someone else's prison sentence. I, I get that. Maybe that was probably even over the top illustration. But, but, if I was to ask you the question, do you really love Jesus? I think all of you would say absolutely, and I believe that. I would say, do you think trusting in Jesus Christ is the most important, most beautiful thing that you could possibly do? I believe every one of you would say, yeah, I do. I would say, is it important for us to go and share the gospel with other people? You would say, it absolutely is. But yet, why do some of us, most of us, so many of us, do not do that? I don't know why. God is giving you a power to do the unimaginable. I, I use that illustration because that's what God, God has given you a power to work in and through you to do what you think and what you really cannot do. I'm not talking about wishful thinking here in certain circumstances. I am always thinking in terms of the gospel, the greater good of us spending eternity in heaven, doing everything that we can to promote the kingdom of God. Always. But God has given you and me that power and way beyond that. And yet we're sitting back going, no, man, I, I don't think I can do that. You can. And God is saying, would you believe it, please? Would you believe me when I tell you that I've given you that power? Would you just trust me? For the first time in some of your lives, would you just trust me in doing that? And step out on a leap of faith and do something. Just go in the direction which I lead. It's me doing it in and through you. It's not even yourself. So the times that you come and you share the gospel and somebody's converted and you're like, wow, I did it. No, you didn't. I did it through you. It's always God doing the work in and through you. Remember, if you're being rejected, what did Jesus say? They hated me. It's not you. It's me they hate. It's not you. God will always put circumstances in front of you. Look for them. I'm begging you, look for them. 
Someone's just saying, well, where? Everywhere. My daughter, my little girl, sitting over there, she's headed off to college again, going into her third year at Liberty University, and uh, she's now become an RA, which is beautiful on my pocket, by the way. <laughs> I'm just saying that. I, me and mom could not be more proud of her. So many reasons. Amen. You're clapping for that, but now she wants the car. <laughs> well, Dad, I'm RA. I'm going to have to do some other things, so I'm going to need a car. So me and Renee have been uh, calling the dealership, and I, I really kind of just deal with one, Healy, up in Goshen. I'd probably get a better deal somewhere else. I don't know. I'm finding out now that good, really, really high-end pedal bikes are about 110000 right? Some of you will get that later. So... I've called Healy for numerous reasons because we've bought other vehicles from them in the past, work trucks. Some of you know we have our own trucking company. So every time I would call, you'd always get these different girls. There's like 15 of them. And they'd always answer the phone. Hey, it's a great day at Healy. How can I help you? For me, I don't know. I'm figuring I got a little time to kill. I'm going to say something. So I say, I don't know. Is, is it really a good day at Healy? Is it really? And I get all these crazy answers, right? I get some answers that are, yeah, it is. It really is. They bought us lunch today. And I'll get some other answers. No, this job is horrible. I hate it. The bosses. And I'm like, if I'm undercover boss, these girls are done, right? <laughs> so the other day I call. And I'm in a little bit of a rush, but it's, it's still tempting for me. So she gets on the phone and she says, hey, it's a great day at Healy. How can I help you? And I said, yeah, come on. Let me ask you a question. Honest. Just answer me truthfully. Is it really a great day at Healy? I'm expecting her to give me a quick answer, get me to my salesperson, her to hang up and go, oh, another jerk on the phone. It's not what I get this time. There's a pause. Yo, you there? I said, is it really a great day at Healy? And now I'm hearing sniffling. Are you, are you there? Are you Okay. And she's, she begins to cry hysterical on the phone. She says, no, you know what? It's not a great day at Healy. As a matter of fact, it's not, even a, it's not, it's not a great day in my world today. As a matter of fact, my entire world is falling apart, if you, if, if you want me to be honest with you. I think, and you tell me if I'm wrong, you know, tell me afterwards. I'm going to ask for a show of hands and nobody call out anything. Do we really overcomplicate evangelism? I think sometimes we make it so much harder than it really ought to be. God is putting these circumstances right in front of us. And it's just taking the time to say, I got something for you. So when she started crying, I said, can I, can I, can I share what's really made a difference in my life? And I, I promise you, I promise that if you're one of the ones that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 10, which he had no idea what that was, because Jesus said there are more, there are more that are still going to come into the fold. So I said to her, if you're one of the ones from John chapter 10, you're going to love what I have to say. And she listened. And I gave her the church times. I don't know if she's here today, next service. I have no idea. This was just, I think it was Monday, I think, I had this phone call. And I'm thinking, you know what? Man, I know we're not going to serve somebody else's prison sentence. But man, we got to be able to be willing just to share with somebody a piece of our life. I mean, there's a bunch of broken people out there that are waiting for us. 
We're, I'm looking at this girl, right? You think that she was happy-go-lucky. Hey, it's a great day at Healy. How can I help you? And less than 30 seconds later, she's sobbing on the phone. Someone shared with you, didn't they? Didn't they share with you the gospel in some way or another? Didn't you get changed by somebody's life? Aren't you even now still being changed by the people that are investing into your life right now? I think about the women and the men in the church that are meeting with some of you during the week to help you. Don't allow that to be vacuum sealed. Let that get out. Share it with someone. Because God's going to deliver somebody on your doorstep where they're crying, either on the phone, at the grocery store, and God is saying, that's one of ours. Go get them now. Because think about when, you, when your life was changed, when you gave your life to Christ. You know what happened on that day? Billions of angels were singing and dancing, celebrating your faith. Dancing and celebrating. Not that just, oh wow, somebody. They called you by name. By name and they danced. They said, they're in. They're here. Finally. Would you trust them? Would you celebrate that God is celebrating you? That's who he's celebrating you. And he's asking you to celebrate his boy. God is saying, would you celebrate my son? Would you do that? Because I killed him for you. I killed him. I killed him for you. God says, I love you. And I am celebrating you every day. Celebrate me, God says. Celebrate my son. Celebrate that I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. Celebrate that. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.